Welcome, everybody, once again to Restore to Life Church. Uh, so glad that you could join us again. Yeah, we were on break for a bit there. We realized that we needed uh, to take a break from things, uh, Take, and it was very well worth it, very well needed. So we just want to be obedient to the Lord, and, you know, <clears throat> whatever the Lord wants us to do, we want to make sure we are obeying Him. Uh, otherwise, you know, if we don't and He tells us to take a rest, um, then, you know, we'll just end up uh, getting burned out. We won't be effective for, for you, um, and we won't glorify the Lord in it. So, but we're back. So uh, don't forget to, by the way, if you do want to give, the links are in the description below. Uh, so if you're watching on uh, Facebook or YouTube, the links are right there. So you can give three ways, uh, Venmo, PayPal, and Cash App. Uh, then I don't know if I said that in order, but anyway, the links are there for you to give if you feel like giving. Uh, if you're watching on Twitter, you can go to my um, pay home page, whatever they call it on Twitter, and you know it's right there for you. So, hey, ministry isn't free, and we want to be more effective for you out there and for the kingdom of God. So, hey, please do your part. We appreciate it. Anyways, so I'm starting a brand new sermon series called "The Wages of Sin." Okay, we're gonna be out of Matthew 5, uh, and today we're going to start in uh, verse 13, and so we're going to go through this. Um, we're we're going to go through this slowly. Uh, we're going to go through um, Jesus's teachings about exactly what sin is, because Jesus no longer makes it, and we'll see that this morning, by the way, he no longer makes it an external issue, right? And, uh, and he doesn't make it like easier somehow. I know a lot of people when they when uh, preach and teach that you know uh, you know Jesus you know no matter you know the law is gone uh, now things are so much easier for us and yet we'll see where Jesus now takes it to a higher level right now he starts defining uh, what sin always was anyways but you know he hadn't come yet uh, in the flesh uh, fully like this you know he was a, he, you know don't forget you know Jesus is God. He always was, but he, he hadn't come yet to be our uh, atonement. And, and so uh, God had to put these extra restrictions in the Old Testament uh, on his people. And then you'll, you, if, you, if you study the Old Testament, uh, which, by the way, if you haven't, you need to, um, then you'll see that as time went on, as, as the Israelites would, would mess up more, then more laws would be tacked on. And, and then even God was willing to meet them where they were at. And that's important to know um, by, you know, saying, you know what, I, you know, I'm going to do my best. You're going to be patient, long suffering with you. And we're going to we're going to make this this and, you know, like divorce and the rid of divorce and all of that kind of thing. So you do need to study the Old Testament. Um, you'll never understand the teachings of Jesus fully, by the way, without the Old Testament. And we'll see that this morning. Uh, but we're going to get into that because this is a subject that is not preached on often enough in the church, and that is um, the sin, right? Sin. People don't like that. It makes you uncomfortable, right? And you're like, well, didn't Jesus atone for me? And doesn't God love me? And those are absolutely true statements. However, however, you know, Jesus didn't come to make our lives more comfortable, right? He didn't come so that we could live our best life now. He came to set us free from sin. And we see where Paul uh, explains that 
in, in Romans, especially, you know, Romans 6, right? And, and he makes it crystal clear, for instance, that, um, you know, now that grace abounds, should we sin all the more? And he says, may it never be. And he's like basically saying, no way, Jose. Uh, grace doesn't give us a license to sin. And then he goes on to explain how we are now free from sin. So we need to lay this because uh, we don't realize that the wages of sin has a cost. Right? We see where it says, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. You know, we see where Jesus preaches on this, right? He, he goes on and um, explaining about do not fear he, you know, him who can destroy your body, but him who can destroy your soul, right? So we should be very well aware of the cost of sin, the cost of sin in our own life personally, and the cost of sin uh, for the whole world. In other words, when we live in sin, when we're controlled by sin, when we, when we compromise with sin, no longer are we effective for Jesus Christ. No longer can we have an effect on the world and those in the world. You know, like today, you know, people love to talk about politics. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to just say that politics has infected the church. You know, wh why would I say that? In other words, we want to concentrate on uh, elected officials or, or changing abortion laws and stuff like that. And those are good things. I'm not saying they're evil, but when we put the focus and our hope in a system of laws, right, in people, instead of putting the focus on people's hearts. And when we fail to see that nothing will be affected for the kingdom of God unless first people are changed, unless our hearts are changed, okay, then we can never be lights. Unless our hearts are first changed, the light of the world has no effect on us, Jesus Christ. Until we bow the knee, we repent, we turn from our sins, then nothing will change. If a leader in office is not saved, not saying that God can't use them, but they will never be truly effective for the kingdom of God because they're not kingdom hearted. See what I'm saying here? So let's stop putting our hope in these things, all right? Politicians are never going to save us, all right? They're not going to get things done for us unless the people are changed first. You know, and you know, we, we often try to especially in the charismatic, and we go to hyper-charismatic levels, and, oh, I'm just going to pull down this principality, and I'm going to affect change by all my prayers. But we don't bother to do our best to preach the gospel, to evangelize. And so, no, we will not change things. No, things will not be overturned wherever we live at unless people make a decision to live for the kingdom of God and no longer compromise on sin. So let's come before the Lord before we get into the text this morning. Lord, we come before you. We realize you are holy. You, you, your word clearly says to us, we are to be holy as you are holy. Because you are a holy God with a holy standard, Lord. But we do thank you, Father, for sending your son Jesus to make a way for us. Where before there was no way, Lord, you made a way for us to live free from sin. But let us realize today the severity of sin as well as freedom that you offer us. Lord, convict us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you send the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and convict us. Convict us. Let your fire fall. And let people be changed today for the kingdom of God, 
for the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So now we're going to get into the text. All right. So Matthew 5. So we're laying the foundation today first. So you may say, well, brother, you're not really highlighting specific sins. No, I'm not. Because first we have to hide. We have to lay the foundation, right? Because we often get this wrong. All right. Especially in our church where we love to compromise. Oh, so-and-so is a brother in Christ and they're looking at pornography the whole time. All right. So-and-so is a sister in Christ, right? While they're, you know, not married yet, shacking up with their boyfriend or whatever it may be. Right, we're going to compromise on this. God doesn't compromise on sin. First off, and we have to realize that we have to. What does Jesus teach? Because at the end of the day, is what comes down to is what does Jesus teach? What then? That's what we have to follow. Why? Because Jesus is Lord and King. We don't get an option. All right, we don't. We don't get to pick and choose what we like and what we don't like. Yet that's often taught in the church today. Oh well, we'll just have grace and patience with brother and sister so and so. True, but but. We take it to absolutely ridiculous levels, to be frank and honest. Uh, we, we see somebody living in sin and we won't correct them on that. Oh, they just got to mature out of that. Yet, you know, there is a sin that leads to death, for instance. <clears throat> Yet the sin of sexual immorality literally affects our bodies in a negative way. But we don't want to confront that. Why? Why? Well, I mean, think about it. Let, 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 let's talk about it this way. Let me use this analogy for you, right? We have doctors out there, right? And a, and a good doctor will not mince words with us. A good doctor will tell us what is wrong with us so we don't die. For instance, I looked at my lab results yesterday uh, for my last doctor's appointment, found out I got high cholesterol and I'm pre-diabetic. All right, so in my follow-up appointment, I guarantee my doctor is going to talk about that with me may tell me what medication I may have to take, uh, lifestyle changes. Also that, right, I, it doesn't lead to my, what, early physical death. Well, it's no different with sin. So if a good doctor, think about it, okay. Now, because we, we honestly, when it comes to sin, many in the church today are committing malpractice. So, so think about it. If, a, if you would go to a doctor, right, I saw, say, like I said, I saw my own lab results. My doctor didn't say anything to me about um, high cholesterol or being pre-diabetic. And then later on down the road, I have a coronary, you know, or, or I go into some diabetic shock or whatever, something. The doctor never told me any of this, right? Maybe I was ignorant of my lab results. Guess what? I could sue that doctor for malpractice. I, 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 I'm dead serious. Or many church leaders today, if they were doctors, would be sued for malpractice today. For not confronting sin. For not saying, hey, God has a standard for you. Let, let's read, uh, starting in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how shall, me, how, how shall it be made salty? It is from then on uh, good for nothing but to be thrown out and to be trampled underfoot by men. So we see Jesus here making an illustration, right? Obviously, he doesn't mean your literal salt, okay? Why? Because what, what is salt used for? What was salt used for in the ancient, ancient Near East? Right? It was used as a preservative. They would salt food to preserve it. And salt, by the way, in that day and time was extremely ex expensive, right? You couldn't go to Kroger or Walmart, right, and, and go buy... Um, uh, kosher salt, for instance. And I love kosher salt, by the way, because I put it on my steak. But you couldn't do that back then. It was a very, very, very expensive, all right? It was um, even used uh, as, as a currency. 
It was used to make a covenant between two people. They would exchange, they would have, they would carry a, a purse of salt on them. And they would exchange salt as a sign of a, a salt covenant between them, for instance. So salt was very, very important in the ancient Near East. So, so Jesus is making this illustration here saying, you, you who are in Jesus Christ are the salt of the earth. But then he says, well, wait a minute, but if the salt loses its saltiness, why? Because I mean, is it possible for salt to lose its saltiness? I, I don't know for sure. I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a, a chemist. Could it lose its saltiness? Yeah. And then he makes the illustration. Well, can it get, can it be salty again? Can it, can it get back? No, it's good for nothing. See, that's what sin does to us. When we allow sin in our life. When we compromise, right? We lose our effectiveness. We, we are not worth anything anymore. I know that may seem, seem, seem harsh to people out there, but Jesus is making this illustration. We are good for nothing. We cannot be used for the kingdom of God, in other words. He can't use us in our sinful state. We must be cleansed of sin first, and then we will be used for the kingdom of God. But if not, we're not good for that, right? There's no, there's no flavor in us. We're, we're bland. We're, we're just like everybody else out there, you know, and, and it kills me that people will preach that people are still sinners. Look, look, that, that is, that is quite an oxymoron, right? A, a, a sinner saint. That makes no sense in the world because either we are free from sin and then no longer has dominion over us. Will we still sin? Yes, but we're not controlled by it. There's a difference and there's a whole other sermon on that, but we're not controlled by sin anymore because we are a new creation. So you cannot have, you cannot be light dark, for instance, right? You're not like a piece of toast. It doesn't work that way. You're, you're either saved or you're not. There's no middle ground there. You're either a saint or not. You either have come under the blood of Jesus, justified by faith alone, or not. You've either repented of your sins, sought the forgiveness of Jesus, live according to the power and strength of the Holy Spirit, or not which is evidenced in our lives by what? Being salt, being effective, being different from everybody else out in the world. We speak different. We think different. We talk different. The, the things we watch, used to watch on television, the movies we watch, the books we read, all of this will be external evidence of an internal change in us. It's not legalism. It's an outside, just like you would salt meat to preserve it. It's outside evidence. And then Jesus goes on in the next, in verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a basket, but on a candlestick. Why would they put it? Because the candlestick is, is tall for everybody to see. That's why. And it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. You know, like, you know, to get to illustrate it, you know, if you've ever lost power, right? Maybe you're in South Africa and, you know, load shedding is, is a normal, you know, day. In other words, like every week you got power that goes out or you live where we live, right? And, you know, knock on wood, you know, the power doesn't go out here, but it has a habit of, for some reason, the power going out. Well, what do you do? You, you, you get a candle. You, you put it, and so it shines throughout you know, much of the house. That's what Jesus is saying. In a dark world, a world that is dark, where, where the evil one 
right, has dominion over much of it. Not that Jesus is not doesn't have dominion. That's not what I'm saying. But when we're living in sin and darkness, the dark one, the evil one, Satan has control over us and in our lives. Jesus is saying, no, in that darkness, you say me. Go ahead, say it. Say, say me. It's to be a light of the world. We're supposed to shine. We're supposed to light up a whole area, not be closet Christians, right? Not be a believer. There's no such thing as a closet Christian. In other words, nobody else knows that you're a Christian, but you say you're a Christian, right? You're afraid to go out to work and, and, and preach the gospel, right? You compromise. You hang out with the same old friends. You don't speak up. You don't walk away. You laugh at the dirty jokes. L let me put it this way. If, if you are under investigation right now for being a Christian, right? If, if some investigator or private eye or detective or whatever were to pick your life apart, all right? Let's even take that to a higher level. The FBI, right? The federal government. We'll, we'll, we'll put it under the umbrella of the Department of the Department of Homeland Security, right? They picked apart you. They they took your computer, right? Because you know, if you don't know, by the way, nothing is ever permanently deleted. They, but they examine your hard drive. They go through your trash. They interview your friends and family and more. All that goes into that. Would there be enough evidence for them to say, yeah? You're guilty of being a Christian. No, it's that serious. I've just illustrated that to you, right? Because Jesus, right, the great teacher, would use illustrations that people could understand, especially because it was written to an ancient Near Eastern audience. Therefore, he would illustrate things in such a way that they could understand, saying, hey, because there wasn't electricity back in the day, right? There's no light bulb. There's not even, uh, you know, um, kerosene lamps. He's saying, no, look, that candle, right? He's making the illustration because they didn't live in, many didn't live in large houses. They'd have a candle that'd be enough to light up the entire one-room house. He said, you out there are supposed to be like that. This, this dark world that we see growing darker, it seems, by the minute. You know, I know there are a lot of people out there, you know, double fear, trouble for 2022 words. And, you know, things are going to get so much better now. And, oh, you're roar this. And all these uplifting, encouraging words. And here we are. Gas prices have hiking. Inflation at a rapid level. You know, food shelves uh, empty so on and so forth. Well, I, I don't know what they're talking about because what I'm seeing ain't happening. So uh, we see new laws being made. You know, if you don't know that our brothers and sisters in Christ and in Canada, right? It's illegal them. It's illegal for them to, to uh, speak out against homosexuality in any way, shape or form. It's illegal. You can go to jail depending on the circumstances. It could be up to two years. It could be up to five years. You know, our brother in Christ, John MacArthur, praise God. You know, he led the way uh, last Sunday for every, you know, we weren't open yet. We were still on arrest, but for people to preach against this, right? And now, you know, just this morning, my wife showed me an article where John MacArthur, you know, YouTube's uh, um, called what he said, hate speech, right? Suddenly now, you know, people out there can speak against anything they want, but oh, unless you speak about sin. And, and worse is happening around the world today. So while this is going on, what are you doing? Where's your light? Or maybe as Jesus said, right? Because I love this, you know, it's a, I'm going to call it a, a lack of a better term, a dichotomy, right? Because Jesus says a light of the world, but then he says, you know, neither do men put it under a basket. So where's your light? Is it under a basket? 
Because Christians don't put it under a basket. Is your light shining for people to see? Are you an example or not? Or, or maybe you're an example of a hypocritical Christian. Because if you don't know it or not, if you say you're a Christian, people will watch you. Now, I did an interview on my podcast, Restoring Your Voice. You can go watch it with a former Muslim, right? She never spoke up to one of her co-workers about it, but she was watching her the whole entire time. She was observing her life. And because this co-worker exhibited Christ-like behavior, had um, I, I, you know, an extreme effect on her life to cause her one of, I, I, would, I believe it was, as Paul would say, um, planted a seed and she came, and because of that, this former Muslim came to Christ. But then she, in the interview, she explained to me about hypocritical Christians and how, you know, people, you know, observe them. I'm a Christian, but they act anything but. I'm a Christian, you know, uh, get right with God and then they drop an F-bomb. Or they do a dirty joke or a racial joke or something that exhibits anything but Christ-like. In other words, they're hiding the light under a basket. Why? Because they live in sin. The wages of sin, you see what it does? It causes us to lose our saltiness, our flavor. It causes our light to no longer shine. It even goes so far as to push people further away from Jesus. And I see this constantly especially on social media, you know, you know, honestly, it's such an evil environment because people say things on social media they would never say to your face. So, I, I mean, at least I pray to God, at least these quote-unquote apologists would never speak to somebody's face like that. But they call these atheists out and they just bash them and trash them, calling them how stupid they are. And like, really? Did you forget that once you're foolish? I, I believe that Paul uses this terminology, right? He, 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 he even, uh, believe it's in uh, book of Romans. I believe it's in chapter one or two. I can't remember, but, but talks about how, how they, their understanding is darkened. You know, John in, in his first epistle, first John talks about this walking in darkness. Those who hate sin, darkness, sin and darkness is the same thing. So Jesus now comes along his very first sermon he preaches, he starts preaching on this stuff. Jesus didn't mince words. He wasn't like, okay, well, I hope I get enough people here, right? I, I hope I get like 5,000 subscribers. You know, if, I guess if Jesus had YouTube back in the day. And then he comes along teaching on this, right? He starts laying the foundation before he even gets into exactly different sins. And then he talks about this topic that I'm about to go into that's at times hotly debated by those who think we still have to follow the 613 commandments. So here in Matthew 17, let me tell you first and foremost, right off the bat, Jesus is not saying follow the 613 commandments. He says here, do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophet. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. What, what does that even mean? Well, first and foremost, Jesus is using this terminology to describe what is Scripture. Because remember, there was no New Testament yet. No Gospels had been written yet. So he's saying, what is Scripture? In other words, not the apocryphal books, not Gnostic books. What is Scripture? He said the Law and the Prophets, right? So the entire Old Testament, as they had it at that time, was considered Scripture. So first he's laying the foundation, what is Scripture? The Law and the Prophets. And that's important to know. I told you. 
in the beginning. If you haven't studied the Old Testament, you need to read the Old Testament. Because if you don't read the Old Testament, you'll never fully, you'll never truly understand what is written in the New Testament. I believe something like over 300 times the Old Testament is quoted in the New Testament. And so he's saying, no, all that was written about me in the law and the prophets. And we know that. What is the law? The, the Torah, the first five books of Moses, right? The very first Messianic prophecy is in Genesis 3.15. Many other Messianic prophecies are given throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament. So she's saying all that right there, all that about me. Yeah, I came to fulfill all of those. Yeah, not all of those have, have yet. Some of those, like the return of Jesus, has yet to be fulfilled. Some of those have been fulfilled and are yet to be fulfilled as well, like healing. We don't all, all get healing right now. Um, why? I can't give you an explanation for it, except uh, it's based on the sovereignty of God. That's all. Just leave it at that. But but anyway, this is what Jesus comes. And by the way, you're getting into heavy. Well, I don't believe there's enough exegetical preaching these days. So, so first, Jesus is, is laying out, right? And I also believe we can go deeper in this, and I'll, and I'll get to that. And But uh, moving on to verse 18. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one dot or one mark will, will pass from the law until all be fulfilled. So what he's saying, this, um, I know many translations say jot and tittle. So, so what that means, first and foremost, is, is the, are the Hebrew letters, the way they were written. So you have jot and you have tittle. Jot is the Hebrew letter itself. The tittle, by the way, is, is what, differentiates each letter from, from another letter because some letters look the same. So now you have the tittle, if you will, that, that differentiates each letter. So you're saying none of that will pass away. So the Old Testament, right? Yeah, I, I understand that the Septuagint was around at this time, but the, but the Old Testament was written in Hebrew or the Masoretic text originally. And so Jesus is saying, all that was written, by the way. Yeah, don't think it's gone away. No, sir, no, ma'am. Like well, we can go deeper into this. What what, what do you what do you mean, brother? I mean God's standard for righteousness, for holiness, his his thoughts against sin. You know his strong words in different books of the Bible where he calls certain sins an abomination. We're not talking about the laws for Israel and the laws for the Jewish people of that time only. No, no, no. Because if you think, oh well, well, all that is it, just for them. You no, know, we can go to places in Leviticus, for instance. Where, where, where Jesus is now telling them, go into the land of Canaan. By the way, they all need to be wiped out Why? because they're committing sexual immorality. They're, they're sacrificing their babies to Molech and such. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's an abomination to me. Then we can read in places like Proverbs where it says that God calls lying tongue, right? Feet that run to do evil. Those who, who false witness an abomination. So, so all of that and more, God had, has always always been strongly and staunchly against sin and there has always been a, an extreme penalty for sin we can see that in the book of genesis where adam and eve disobeyed the only commandment they ever had to follow what was the ramifications of that they entered into death and now through them because of that death entered and sin entered into the whole world and yet also by jesus by one man what else salvation from what sin from what the spiritual death the second death because that is the wages of sin is death a spiritual death yet christ came to set us free from that you have to get that sin is not okay but 
God has also made a way out of us from sin. And we can read that throughout the Old Testament. Continuing on. Chapter, uh, verse 19. I, I guarantee this is one that people skip over a lot. I don't hear a preached on. I, I don't remember the last time I heard a preached on. In case you're wondering, yeah, I do listen to other preaching. Okay, whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do likewise shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Let's, let's go back up. He says, whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments, the commandments of Jesus, clearly. This is Jesus' teaching now. Jesus, the fulfillment of the Old Testament. So now what he says goes. He's God anyway, so you know he can change whatever he wants. But he says, the least, say it with me, the least. So that means there is no such sin that's okay. Are there sins that are greater than others? Absolutely. However, all sin keeps us separated from God. Now, I'm not here to condemn you, brother. You don't, I mean, I, I sometimes have trouble with anger. That's not what I'm talking about. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All means all, every single person. So we're not trying to have people condemned this morning, but the reality of sin must be emphasized as well. Because if we don't emphasize the reality of sin, we'll never emphasize the reality of justification, the reality of God's grace and mercy towards us, the propitiation of Jesus Christ. We'll never get that. Do you not understand what Christ came to set you free from today? Like I said, it wasn't so you could live your best life now. It wasn't so you could get rich and high in the hog, have lots of friends. How do I know that? Because Jesus himself talked about that earlier in this chapter, right? He says something crazy and confounding to many. Blessed are you when men persecute you. Revile you, he talks about. He says, rejoice and be very glad. He didn't say be, rejoice and be very glad when you have lots of friends and you're famous and your platform is so huge and you publish your annual prophetic word. No, he didn't say anything like that. But we, we, we don't sometimes realize that. So the least sin will get us, when we choose to break one or disobey in this case, when we decide to do that, and when we do that, oftentimes we teach others the same, right? Because we can only teach out of what we have in us. What we believe, we will teach. So we break it. We, we think it's okay to live in sin, yet at the same time, we will teach others to do it. And Jesus makes it abundantly clear that when we do this, we'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But then he says, but whoever does and teaches. Say it with me. Say does and teaches because they have that in them. They teach obedience because they live in obedience. They teach these things not to sin, how not to sin, the power to set us free from sin because all of that they're living out and they believe. Therefore, they will teach that. And now something I believe many misunderstand, but let's unpack this. In verse 20, verse 20, for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will know, you will, in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. So what does that mean? Does it mean that that the Pharisees were the righteous of the righteous of their day? They were they were living in extremely righteous people? No. What it means is in the day righteousness of the Pharisees meant some external, right? We can read that later on, right? Talking about Jesus rebuking them, right? They, they were the the biggest prayer shawl that they could find, right? Or or I guess in this day I don't know, Gucci or Versace, right? There, I, whew, let, me, let me not get into that rabbit hole, right? 
they 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 would wear the the prayer boxes everywhere, all that, you know. They walk around in prayer, praise the God, the saint the Lord, you know, proving that they're righteous. But Jesus is making the point here. No, it's not the external that proves you righteous. It's not righteous deeds that, that make you righteous, I should say. Let me reword that. Make you righteous. It's not these righteous deeds or the prayers you pray or the sermons you preach or the words you prophesy or any of those external things that make us righteous. It's an in eternal change that makes us righteous. It's what's inside of us. That's why Jesus says something crazy like, your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. Does that mean we would pray louder than them? We pray more than them? No. Even Paul made that illustration. He said, don't I do this more than you? But he didn't use that as a way of saying, I'm so much more righteous and better than you are. It's an internal change. Sin will either infect us internally or we can be set free from sin internally. And then the external evidence will point to what is internal. But it, 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 the external doesn't, it's evidence, I should say, right? Faith without works is dead. And James talks about in, in John 15 about producing fruits, right? In other words, evidence of something internal that is, has that is changed in us. Jesus also makes this illustration. Can a bad tree produce good fruit? Can a good tree good tree? Produce bad fruit. In other words, evidence of what is in us comes out. So if it's sin, it will come out. Jesus also makes this illustration further on in Matthew. Right? He's talking about the Pharisees are, are once again coming against Jesus, right? Saying, you don't, you don't do all these traditions. And Jesus was like, oh yeah, by the way, yeah, those traditions are worthless. Yeah, oh, by the way, it's what's in us that count. We can eat what we want, and it's not going to defile us. It's not the way we wash our dishes, right? Because by that time, they had rabbinic traditions in abundance. And Jesus was like, yeah, that, 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 none of that counts, by the way, because it's, it's what comes out that defiles us, right? He talks about things like, oh, out of the heart proceeds all kinds of evil, lying, right? How often do you lie? Do you think it's okay? You know, maybe you get pulled over by a cop and you're like, oh man, I was speeding. I know it. But then you're like, oh, uh, you make up a story, right? Oh, I'm on the way to the hospital to visit my sick grandmother. That's why I was speeding. You know, maybe, maybe you're going to lie in the taxes. Think it's okay. Jesus said, no, that's evil, right? He talks about what comes out of the heart. He talks things like sexual morality. For those of you who don't think that Jesus has ever talked on homosexuality before. No, he did. Sexual morality covers homosexuality, by the way. And other things he points to, it's the heart. And we know that before Jesus, without Jesus, the Bible tells us that the heart is wicked above all else and deceitful. Who can know it? Now, we also point that out, but we forget to point out where, also in that same book, Jeremiah, he points out that God will give you a new heart. And the law will be written on your heart. Is the law written on your heart today? Is your heart cleansed and purified of sin today? Is there enough evidence, external evidence, by the way, to point to what happened to you internally? Or to wrap things up, what I, what I said originally and initially was that if somebody investigated your life today and they picked apart every asset of your life, facet, 
Now I'm not talking about, oh, they'll find you made a mistake here or you kind of get this wrong still here. That, that's okay. That's called being human. But I'm talking about actually evidence of a Christian, evidence of salvation. What would that point to you today? Do people see the light of the world shining through you? Are you different? Are you shining somehow wherever you're at? You could be a homemaker. doesn't matter. You still got to go out and buy groceries anyways. Maybe are you a light at Walmart? I don't know. Maybe... Maybe you like Target better. I don't know. Maybe you're here in Texas and you love H-E-B. Are you a light there to people? Or you go around and people, they move away from you because you're just, I don't know. You look like a rabid bulldog with a toe infection. Maybe you're pushing, are you pushing people away from Christ today? Saying how righteous you are, but the evidence is contrary. Yeah, that's the danger of sin. Death. Your death, their death too. Because when we say we're a Christian, we behave anything but now we're also responsible and jesus makes that clear to the pharisees later on in matthew right talking about oh you make people twice the sons of the devil that you are <laughs> preachers pastors leaders is that you do you ever talk about repentance when's the last time you mentioned sin or is it all about how to have your best life how to get rich how to you know get god to be your giant vending machine for stuff are you making people twice the son to son of the devil or daughter of the devil that you are today i have to confront the leadership too i'm not saying i'm perfectly going to know it all god forbid but i'm not going to compromise on, on exactly what jesus preached on today or what i preached on what jesus preached on what jesus said shouldn't we all endeavor to teach on that so if you're a leader today and if not, then please, I forgot to say at the beginning, share this wide and far. Click that share button. Share on Messenger with people, if you will. Send it in the text message, whatever. But if you're convicted today and you realized, you know what? If I stood before the great white throne of judgment, because that's where the investigation happens, by the way. One day, someday, it's going to play out. I'm the big screen, right? Why? Because it says that and on that day, the books were open, so they will be open one day. If those, if you were standing in the great right throne of judgment right now, they opened the Lamb's Book of Life, would your name be written in that Lamb's Book of Life today or not? Or would Jesus tell you to depart? I never knew you. I can't answer that question for you, only you can answer that question for yourself. But I pray that the Holy Spirit is even bringing conviction right now in the name of Jesus. You may be listening to this on the audio podcast. Is the Lord convicting you right now? Is there something you need to be set free from today? Because uh, that's what it's all about. Not feeling guilty, right? I'm not trying to guilt anybody into anything. Maybe, maybe you are. Maybe there's something in your life. Something that's causing shame. Well, guess what the Bible says about that? Now there is no guilt, shame, or condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, Jesus will set you free today. How do I know that? I have to give my uh, this brief. I was one way. This is my spiritual birth month, by the way. Three years. I, w I was trapped in PTSD for 15 years. I was a horrible person. Period. At this point blank, let's not mince words. I was raging. I was, I was a, a terror to live with. I enjoy getting drunk, in fact, and much more. And you know what happened? When I came to Jesus, check this out. Because some of you may be, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to say, some of you may be struggling with mental ill health today. Depression, anxiety, something. I don't know. Bipolar. Well, guess what? Jesus set me free from all of that like that. It's not an exaggeration, by the way. I'm glorifying God here. A man who was on three different psychiatric medications, Jesus set me free from that. 
I was literally one way, a tear, raging, drunkard, and more to a man who was changed and set free instantly. No nightmares. I had nightmares. Couldn't sleep without medication. God set me free from those medications instantly as well. If you don't know, those psychiatric meds are actually bad for you. But he set me free from all of that. Why? Because that's the power of God to set men free. Do you want to be free today? I'm just leading you to the, to the living water. I can't make you drink out of it. That's your choice. If you want to be free from sin today and you're, and you're sick of being feeling so guilty, maybe you've been struggling to get free from that pornography addiction, Jesus will set you free today. You know, I know what I, I, I was there. I was there. God set me free. I remember I would do it. I felt so good when I did it. But then afterwards, oh my, the guilt and the shame. It's a horrible, crushing feeling. And you know what I'm talking about. It crushes you. You want to be free from it. And you don't know how. You're like, I don't know how to get free from this. I'm telling you. Jesus, whom the Son says free, is free indeed. Don't you want to be free today? And this covers any sin. It doesn't matter how egregious. No matter how long you've been doing it for. It doesn't matter. It's the power of God to set men free. I'm not going to put a constraint in the power of God. Do you want? I'm offering that to you today. And you need to get this in you. Because some of you, some of you have been taking communion in the Lord's Supper, the sacraments in an unworthy manner. And the, the, the Bible is strong about that. And you need to get free today. But let's come before the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your power to set us free. But we also know that the sin leads to death. We can't compromise on it. We can't give it a foothold. And today I'm, I'm praying for people listening today, Lord. And you could pray right now. You come to the Lord in prayer. You come to the Lord in repentance, however he leads you. He will lead you. The Bible says that, that we come because the, draw, the Father draws us. And the Father is drawing you today. Don't, don't resist it. This is too serious to resist. Father, I pray for people listening today in the name of Jesus. Your conviction, the Holy Spirit conviction will fall them. Fall upon them. Yes, Lord, let there be weeping over sin today. Let there be repentance. The repentance that leads to salvation, as your word says. Let it happen today in the name of Jesus to those listening, to those watching. Lead them to you. And if you're coming to Christ right now and you're pouring out your heart, I praise God for that. And I pray right now, even now, that you're, that you're mourning as you mourn over your sin and your sinful life, that even now as the power of God sets you free, that your mourning will turn into joy right now in the name of Jesus, that your weeping will turn into joyous laughter today in the name of Jesus. And even as you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit is filling you. Even now, you're, you're receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit as God sets you free and makes you a clean vessel and a temple of the living God, as the Bible tells us. Thank you, Lord, for those who have come today, who have made the decision for life. For those who have made the decision to be set free from sin, they are free today. I want, I want to speak that over to you. If you have come to Christ and you've repented, you are free from sin. I want to speak that over your life. Get that in you in the name of Jesus. Because I'm telling you that, that, the, that the devil will, will accuse you, right? the demons will accuse you, and bring up your past against you. Don't don't let it happen. Don't 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 put up with it. Don't do it. You said you tell that devil, devil, you bring up my past against you, but I know your future. Devil, you brought my past against me, but guess what? Sin has been defeated, and you're defeated now. Christ has defeated you. Don't you don't let that devil do do that that to you. You don't put up with it. 
You're a new creation, as the Bible says. You're a new creation. Amen? New means new. Not re It doesn't say restored. You're renewed. Amen? So, so don't you don't don't let that happen. If if you come to Christ today, I want you to email me. All right, David. Dot McGuire. David. Dot McGuire. M C G U I R E at restored to life. Dot O R G. All right, I have a free resource I want to send you. Okay, it's I, I made this up specifically for for new converts to Christianity. That's what I made it for. I made it for you. It's free. So email me, let me know, and I will send it to you for free. All right? So we're going to wrap this up today. I don't know how long I've been going for. Woo, time passes when you're having fun, huh? I love preaching. So join us next Sunday as I continue in the book of Matthew. We'll go into Jesus' teaching about anger, how he, how he equates now hating your brother or hating, literally, to murder, where he equates not only the physical act of adultery, but now it's a matter of the heart. We're going we're to talk about that next week, so be here. Don't don't forget, all right? Um, don't forget Wednesday night service as well. So Wednesday, 5 p.m. Central. All right, just one more quick reminder. That, so in case you hop down late, hey, if you feel like giving, the links are below. Three ways to give, all right? Praise God for you. We are so thankful for anybody who can give any amount. Okay, because this is not free to do, and we need you. All right, with that, we'll wrap things up. I call you blessed in the name of Jesus. We're going to take communion next week. Why am I giving the week? Because you know what? We, we need to be, we can't take communion in an unworthy manner. So I'm just asking you during this week, come before the Lord, be introspective. All right, I'm not saying, be, you know, go look for a demon under every bush or look how horrible of a person. No person you're no that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is be introspective during this week all right specifically focus on that and then next sunday we'll take communion and we'll ensure that now we can do it in a worthy manner amen god bless you we're out here for today